Amen. So we're going to talk some more about that, developing your spirit, how to, how to uh, bring your spirit out of the shadows and encourage your spirit to, to be uh, more in charge. So we're going to talk about that. We talked about some different things last week. I'm going to do a little bit more today. Um, the Old Testament word for uh, spirit it is, we'll save the picture for later, Jack, okay? The Old Testament word for spirit is ruach, um, and it's used different ways. Sometimes you just see ruach, which just talk about the spirit. Sometimes it's used as a name of God. It's the ruach Adonai, the ruach Adonai Elohim, and ruach HaKodesh. I can say that. Adonai is Lord or Master, Elohim is Supreme or Mighty One, and HaKodesh is, HaKodesh is Holy, so it's Holy Ruach or Sometimes it's inverted the other way. Not that it matters a whole lot, but that's the, the Old Testament term for ruach, and really it means breath. And it's interpreted spirit in English. In New Testament, the word um, is pneuma. It's P-N-E-U-M-A. And there are a bunch of different forms of that word pneuma. And so um, I thought I would mess you up first thing here, okay? Um, just talk about this a little bit and, and see if you get puzzled. Maybe, maybe you won't. Maybe you understand this better than I do. Um, the word pneuma is used many times under different forms of the, of the Greek word pneuma. Um, there's, I won't go over them. There's a bunch of different, just they change the ending, like Numa, pneumaticos, pneumati. Um, there's more, and I, we don't need to go through that. But it's, it only has to do, it doesn't change, necessarily change the meaning of it, but it, it has an ending depending on where it's used in the, in the verse and what the context is. But the puzzling part of this, and here's the puzzling part, there are places where it talks about the Holy Spirit. It actually says Holy Spirit. There are times it just says spirit. And so how do you know whether it's God's spirit or your spirit? Well, there's this wonderful little thing that translators did is they put a capital S in front of spirit. So you know that, oh, that must be God. But the truth of the matter is they're just guessing. They're guessing. They're trying to figure it out and they're using their... And so, so really there's not clarity in the New Testament as to whether when we see the word spirit, whether it's actually God's spirit or our spirit. It's just the word pneuma. Okay? You got that? Now, I'm not trying to confuse you and see, I, it doesn't worry me. I'm not fearful about that. God always gives us puzzles. He loves to give us dynamic tension in Scripture. He says one thing and then another, and you go, well, how do you reconcile these two? How do I get these together? I don't understand how, you know, and, and so you ask him, Lord, what's this? And he's just like, you figure it out. <laughs> I mean, he's not, it's not like that, but he doesn't always give you answers. And it's like, how do we know? Sometimes it's both. Sometimes he just wants us to pursue him, though I don't have a definitive answer for you. I'm just going to try to confuse you a little bit more. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm just, I'm only saying that so that 
when you read it, you read it with a little more understanding, and you begin to question some of the things, maybe the way the Bible's been translated, and say, okay, what, if I interpret it this way, what does it mean? And if I interpret it that way, what does it mean? If I take a verse and I think of it as being my spirit, then how does that change the impact of that verse? Or if I think that it's the Holy Spirit, how does that change the impact of that verse? And so, um, it's something to ponder, and it's something that we really just need to continue to pursue the Lord about. You need to do that personally. I know that we all love to have things neatly packaged for us to say, here you go, this is the answer. God apparently doesn't like that. He apparently likes to give us puzzles and questions so that we pursue him in a relationship more so that he can begin to teach us how to learn from him. And so he can apply his word to our hearts, to our spirits, to what he wants to. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, it says this. We've used this verse before. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, this is the priority uh, order that God has for us, our personalities. It's our spirit, soul, and body. The spirit is the most important. It comes first. It needs to run the show. Um, but as we've said, and we, we talked about this last week, that we've so ignored our spirit that our spirit really feels somewhat intimidated to, to step forth and do anything and uh, takes a back seat. Um, but God's saying that the spirit needs to be first. So let's look at Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 18. So I say walk by the Spirit. You see that capital S? Okay, that's, that's just the word pneuma. pneuma. It's actually pneumati. It has a little bit of an ending. But it doesn't say Holy Spirit. Walk by the Holy Spirit. It just says walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. That's pneumatos. It's not Holy Spirit, it's just Spirit. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Numa is not Holy Spirit, it's just Spirit. So here's what we do when we read it that way and we just assume... And I'm not picking sides here. You know, I'm not saying that I know because I don't. And I actually heard this in theology class, and they said, we don't really know. It's a little, it's a little tricky. So the translator just has to kind of look at context, rely a little bit on his own background and, or their background, and they, they guess, but, but it's Numa, which spirit? So what if it were our spirit? What if we were supposed to be walking by our spirit. Now, the, see, one way to look at this is, is that our spirit, when we trust Jesus as our Savior, our spirit is united with the Holy Spirit. And so maybe sometimes God just says spirit to those who know the Lord because he just assumes we understand that it's kind of the same thing because they're already together. Like his spirit in us and our spirit are united. It's kind of like a marriage, you know, a husband and wife are one. I don't know. That's a possible explanation. But anyway, what if it's just my spirit? So I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
So it sounds like that the, the spirit's supposed to be over the body, over the flesh, over the old nature, over all that stuff. For the flesh desires what is contrary to what? The spirit. Okay, I can, st- I can still go with that, but I see. Um, and, and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh? They're in conflict with each other so that you're not able to do, you are not, so that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, see, we've had this, this mindset where our spirit is just kind of passive. Like we have this, you know, it's like we have a, we know we have a spirit, but what does it do? (laughs) Other than that's the part of us that gets born again when we trust Jesus, our Savior. But what does it actually do? And so we just think, well, that's the thing that, that kind of receives input from the Holy Spirit. And so we follow the Holy Spirit's leading. I kind of think that's um, passing the buck. Just a little bit. I think what God wants us to do is to develop our spirit so that our spirit becomes healthy and strong and rules over our soul and our body, just as Gail said with that testimony, so that our spirit begins to rule and our, and our, and our human spirit partners with the Holy Spirit to lead us into truth. And so, um, you know, I, if you have a really good explanation for those things, then you let me know. I'm not afraid of questions. I'm not afraid of things. I'm not afraid of things in the word that I don't understand. It doesn't bother me anymore. It used to. I thought, I gotta know. I have to know. It's gotta be, I've got to have this figured out. You know, how can I do what's right if I don't know have everything laid out perfectly? And God's kind of response to me and my understanding comes that you don't need to understand everything. That's the tree of knowledge of good the fruit of good and evil. All you need is relationship with me to tell you what you need. Walk in relationship with me, and I will lead you into truth. I will help you to decipher, to understand. Okay. Okay, so when I need to understand this in a more deep, profound way, then he'll release that to me. So maybe you're not even thinking, maybe this doesn't even bother you, or you don't really think about it. My only point is this. There's a lot more we need to understand about our human spirit and what its role is in our lives and how do we develop it. So I uh, I want to talk about it this way. We've kind of ignored our spirit. So it's like, imagine a four foot eight puny stick figure and a sumo wrestler. Okay? And they're wrestling. The puny stick filled... I can say that. That little guy that's skinny, the puny stick finger is our spirit. And the sumo wrestler is our soul. And what I mean by that is we've spent our whole lives developing and feeding and taking care of and exercising the sumo wrestler. And we've ignored the spirit. So now we're understanding, we're beginning to learn that our spirit needs to start taking control. So we say, okay, spirit, come to the front and... I want to start developing you, so you go tell the sumo wrestler, uh, tell the soul that he needs to start listening. And the sumo wrestler goes, not on my watch. 
Why? Because he's so used to being in control. And see, we're not aware of this, the dynamics of this. I'm just trying to help you understand this a little bit. So what we need to do is to begin to develop our spirit. We need to train our spirit. We need to feed our spirit. We need to bless our spirit. We need to encourage our spirit so that our spirit begins to come more to the front. And we begin to realize and understand what it's like when we're really led by the spirit. Now, I, back to that verse in Galatians, I used to, I was a nuisance um, to like pastors and people that knew the Bible well because I would ask them questions that I wanted to understand. I can't tell you in my younger years how many people I went to and I said to them, what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? How do I do that? It's telling me, how to, it's telling me that I need to do it. How do I do that? How do I know when I'm being led by the Spirit? I mean, do you guys know when you're being led by the Spirit? Are you getting more sensitive to that? Do you know when? I mean, do you do it all day long? Because you know exactly what it is. I mean, if the Bible tells us to do something, and we're not doing it, and we don't even ask how we're supposed to, and I, so I kind of gave up on it because I said, well, they, even the Bible teachers can't tell me how to do it. The people that I knew, how, how do you follow the leading of the Spirit? I'm supposed to do it. Well, the only explanation you get is, well, don't do the bad things. That's being led by the Spirit. Well, just doing the negative is not anyway. So what we're, what we're wanting to deal with is our, our scale. Our scale minus 100 to 0 to plus 100. Um, we want to be feeding our spirit so we're moving up the scale from 0 up to the, the positive numbers and, and moving in that direction. Okay, so our spirit needs to uh, lead. It can't be ignored. Our soul is not evil. It's not like we're trying to do away with the soul or get rid of it or um, put it in a place where it doesn't do anything. The truth of the matter is, when your spirit is in control and leads you, your soul will find its greatest fulfillment being led by your spirit. In other words, your soul can't fully manifest everything that it's capable of, the full fullness of the flavor of who God's created you to be, can't be released until your spirit leads your soul. So the purpose of all this is not so that we become less of, you know, basically our soul is our personality. It's your mind, will, and emotions. Developing our spirit so that our spirit, we learn to follow the leading of our spirit is so that our soul can be realizing its fullest capacities, our minds, our wills, and our emotions, when they're under the control of our spirit and God's spirit. However, all that works. Our spirit is designed to bring out the best in our souls. So what, so I just want you to, to think about that, but what are the applications of blessing the spirit? Some of the things that have been done to um, practical application of blessing your spirit or developing your spirit. There was some work done with some autistic kids. And they began to bless uh, the spirits of the autistic kids. Now, autism is a, is a 
sickness, disease, brain injury, whatever you're going, however you want to call it, um, that is a damage to the soul. The brain doesn't work. It affects emotions. It affects personality. It affects cognitive abilities. It affects um, sensory abilities as well, all kinds of things. But an autistic child or an autistic person has a spirit that's okay. So if you begin to bless that spirit, they started blessing the spirits of autistic kids, and they saw quite a change, not necessarily in the cognitive things, but in them, their personality coming out more and positive effects on that child or that person because their spirit was being encouraged and beginning to come forward and beginning to lead over the disabilities, over the issues, over the problems. Now, we all know that, and we've taught this before, and I'm probably going to have to at least go through it a little bit again. We all know that we come to the Lord with all kinds of junk in our soul. We have thoughts in our souls that are um, not always in alignment with Scripture and truth. We have uh, emotions. We have baggage. We have um, sometimes there's trauma. Sometimes there's generational sin that's in our soul. We carry a lot of trash. And we often need to go through a process of confessing and dealing with it and getting rid of it so that we can walk in greater freedom. But, but there's, a, there's a different way and different approach that's been taken is that you begin to bless somebody's spirit and you develop their spirit and strengthen their spirit. And the spirit starts to overrule the stuff in the soul so that it doesn't manifest begins to clean things up. So the spirit actually takes control and does those kind of things. There was a lady who came to a counselor. She'd had a nervous breakdown. And so the counselor was working with a Christian counselor, had a lot of deliverance tools and inner healing tools along with all the retinue of uh, normal psychologist has and working with this lady and the progress was really slow. This lady had a major nervous breakdown. And then this counselor heard about blessing the spirit, and so she began trying this on. This lady began blessing her spirit, calling her spirit to attention and addressing the spirit directly, praying scripture, blessing her with scripture, strengthening her spirit. And within two months, there was significant change, and her recovery started speeding up because of, I guess, because of that. And so now what this counselor does is she uses blessing her spirit on all of her patients. She's actually pulled it in as one of her tools, one of the things that she uses with everything else, because it accelerates the process of healing, because you're doing something dynamic with the spirit. See, we've ignored the spirit. Now, this teaching that I'm giving you, understand that this is relatively new. Um, this just started back around 2000. Early 2000s, maybe, when uh, the fellow that actually has taught a lot on this began to understand this. He'd been doing a lot of deliverance ministry, inner healing, different kind of counseling, and um, he had other people that he worked with, and he just kind of happened into it. Kind of like Gail did, where the Lord said, tell your spirit to take control over your body. She's like, I don't even know if I'm allowed to do that. Is that Okay. Sometimes God tells us things, he reveals things to us, and we don't have a theology for it. We don't, we don't have a biblical understanding of it, but God just says, we'll do it. And part of our training in the church, at least mine was, is, man, you need to be afraid of that stuff because that's how you get off track, and that's how you get into heresy, and that's how you fall into all kinds of problems. You better be careful. 
But God often does that. He'll, teach, he'll share something with you, and then he'll give you the justification for it later. Why does he do that? Again, it's the relationship. It's pursuing him. But it's the discovery, and it's the, it's the problem solving. He wants us to be people that pursue him and, and allow him to make changes in us. Um, there was another example of a, a couple that had um, a marriage that was a real problem, and they were just emotionally dead. Both of them they were emotionally dead. Just They would go to counsel, but didn't really feel like it. They didn't really engage. They were just, like, out of it. Well, the husband heard about blessing the Spirit, so he began not even, not even talking to his wife. He would go in another room, or he'd do when she wasn't in the house. He began blessing her spirit. He began calling her spirit to attention. See, you can do that because there's no dimension of distance or anything in the spirit realm. It's just not. And he began praying for his wife and blessing her spirit and praying blessing prayers over her to her, to her spirit. And after just a few months, she began to respond in different ways, and it began to change him too. Now, they have a long way to, they had a long way to go in their marriage, but it actually began to break down the barriers and began to bring them back together again. Why? Because our souls don't know how to handle the damage. Our souls don't have the, the solutions, but our spirits do. And so we need to develop our spirit, build our spirit, so that we can uh, work on problems from a different angle. And so we t- I, we've encouraged people for a long time now, at least as long as we've known this, that if you have a difficult situation in your life, whether it's work, whether it's um, relationships, family, whether it's, uh, I don't, you know, I don't, doesn't matter what it is. The most effective thing you can do is pray blessing on or into that situation. We tend to grumble and complain. I don't know about you, but we have a lot to grumble and complain about in this year. And we need to stop it. <laughs> we need to stop it. We need to bless. We need to speak blessing. Um... When I'm, we're going to talk about that later in a few weeks uh, when, we, when we talk about um, speaking blessing um, in a different way. But it's powerful. It's effective. See, we have this, this, this idea. Maybe it's just our soul. our soul. Our soul is so used to being in charge that our soul thinks that it can argue people into correct thinking or that it can force people into correct thinking. And you can't. You can't. You can't do it. But soul keeps trying. Our brain, through our mouths, tries to straighten people out. (laughs) All the time. Doesn't work. Does it? Not really well. So anyway, blessing people, when they don't even know it, they don't need to know it. It'll have an impact. It'll have a positive impact on them. Not manipulative. Not, Lord, this is what I want. But, Lord, I bless. I bless this person with a, with a greater knowledge of you. I mean, just praying scripture for somebody is tough. Anyway, 
Okay. For most of us, what we thought we were doing when we were getting closer to God, studying scripture, praying, and doing all those things we thought were building our spirits, and really what we're doing is we're building our souls, building knowledge, we're building understanding, and um, that's not to say that we don't need to know, we don't need understanding, we don't need to study, we don't need to do those things, because what happens if we're, if we're good students of the word, when we develop our spirits, our spirits have access to that information in our brain that it can utilize. I mean, it's not like wasted time. It's just that we've been missing something. So anyway, think of a baby. Brand new little baby, can't do much of anything. The only thing that baby, oh boy, I better not say it this way. Babies are very needy. They're very demanding. They can't do a thing for themselves, right? Can't do a thing for themselves. They're messy. They make problems almost everywhere they go. Like, like they'll disrupt things because they start crying or they make messes, or, you know, and they're very demanding. And they like to wake you up in the middle of the night, mess up your sleep. I mean, really, what good are they? <laughs> I don't mean that. You know I don't mean that. See, what we see is the potential of that child. If we look at their functionality initially, it's like zero. But we understand that there's a tremendous potential in those children. And we know that eventually they're going to develop, they're going to grow, and they're going to do a lot. Because we, we understand that. Well, our spirit's the same way. Um, it's underdeveloped, but has a lot of potential. And so we need to begin to nurture it, cause it to grow, help it to develop. So what I'm going to do now, with just for a couple minutes, I'm going to look at some verses um, that use the word spirit in it, just and think about it in terms of the human spirit and what God might be saying. Matthew 26, verse 40, Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? I'd like to hear how he said that. Asleep, and he goes, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, which is my proof text for why I have my eyes open when I pray. I have never, have anybody ever finds a verse where you're supposed to have your eyes closed? Let me know. I don't think I've ever found a verse that says you're supposed to close your eyes when you pray. That's not a pet peeve of mine. It's just one thing. Lift holy hands in prayer or lay prostrate and, and pray. It never says close your eyes. Anyway, tangent break. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. The flesh is weak. So our spirit is really willing, willing, willing to do a lot of things and to be uh, take on that position, but it needs to be encouraged. Second Kings 2.9, and so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Well, in light of what we're teaching, what does that mean? 
I used to think, well, it's like this, it's a portion of God's spirit that he's asking for. He wants a double portion of that. And Elisha did um, twice as many miracles as Elijah did. So maybe that's it, but maybe that's not it. See, I'm, I'm, I'm goading you. <laughs> to go check it out for yourselves and begin to dig into it and go, okay, Lord, what did you really mean? How am I supposed to think about this? Ezra 1.1, now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord, mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. So that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put in writing, his spirit was stirred up. Psalm 51.10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. The spirit needs to be renewed. Psalm 34.18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Our spirits can be crushed. You can be crushed. Here's a good one. Proverbs 20.27, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord searching all the inner depths of his heart. Somebody explain that one to me. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord? How does that work? There might be those times of meditation where we get before the Lord and just say, Lord, I'm activating my spirit, and I'm giving it to you right now to be like a searchlight in me. Searching all the inner depths of my heart. You know, we have the, part of that is that we have a, we have a difficult time searching our own heart. We, we, the Bible says that the heart is really deceptive. Uh, the heart is very protective of who we are. And so we don't always like to look at our hearts. We don't really like to look at our motivations. And what this is saying is that our spirit is the tool that God likes to use to help us to really examine ourselves. Isaiah 66, 2, Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. I have a bunch more, but I'm not going to read them. Um, I'm going to read a, a blessing out of the book again. Um, blessing Your Spirit has a bunch of blessing prayers. And I told you, now we can go to the picture, Jack. I told you that I was going to show you my bookmark. That's Travis. <laughs> when he was just a little guy, that little... Lawnmower. Did that thing blow bubbles? Did that have a bubble, bubbles come out? Okay. You don't have to stay there, that's all, unless you want to. I brought my computer in. Travis was getting ready to load this from my computer to his, and he says, you're not really showing that picture, are you? I said, well, there's others I have that are probably worse, but maybe you might be glad for that one. Anyway. This, this book is um, just page cover to cover, basically with blessing your spirit prayers that are 
prearranged for you. Just leaves the name out, so you can put anybody's name in there when you go through it. And uh, here's the one I chose for this morning, and we'll finish with this. Freedom from the fear of man. NBF family, I call your spirit to attention in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Listen to the word of God for you. The Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. I bless you, NBF family, with freedom from the fear of man and from an unhealthy fear of God. I bless you with being like Gideon, seeing and experiencing the presence of God in the middle of a crisis situation. I bless you with having current experiences of God's presence, provision, and intervention. I bless you with not having to go back to prior generations to share glory stories of God's intervention. I bless you with your own stories. I bless you with an experiential knowledge of God's presence his provision, his answer to your prayers, his solving your problems, his intervention in your life, so that although the enemy may be in the land and things are not going well, there is a rock-solid knowledge that your Father God is present, contemporary, and current in your culture, life, and circumstances. I bless you with going to the Word of God and seeing specific promises your Father has made to you, being able to stand on those promises and savoring the joy, the security, and the excitement that comes when your Father answers your prayers based on his specific promises. Gideon saw himself as a survivor in a hostile environment, but God saw him as a mighty warrior, one who would free the entire nation from the Midianite invasion. When Gideon accepted that identity, he began to experience peace. I bless you, NBF family, with the profound truth of knowing who you are. I bless you with having peace based on your identity and your Father's provision, protection, and purposes. I bless you with embracing your identity and realizing that when God calls you to battle, he will be there with you and for you, and your victory will lie in his hand, not in your expertise or resources. I bless you with knowing who you are called to be in the eyes of God. I bless you with experiencing beyond a shadow of doubt God's pleasure in you and who you are and how he sees you now and tomorrow. I bless you with the peace that comes in knowing who you are and that you are doing what your Father wants you to do and that he is pleased with you. I bless you with the blessing of savoring, soaking in, and rejoicing in the protection of doing the right thing at the right time, at the right place, in the right way, because you know your identity in your Father's house. I bless your spirit with peace in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, who designed your identity. Amen. And so I encourage you, encourage you, to pursue how God would call you to developing your spirit. Let's pray. Father, I can't help but think that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and and, uh, we don't even understand ourselves all that well. 
And I know as, as scientists and researchers dig deeper and deeper into creation and figuring out how things work, all they find is more puzzles, more questions. They never seem to be able to exhaust and come to a final conclusion about things because there's always a deeper depth to go to in their research. And that's just the way you are. And so when I think about myself, when I think about us as your children and the people that you've created us to be, is there a limit? Is there a finiteness to the potential to who we are as people and who you've created us to be? Lord, we want to walk in the light that you've given us. We want to take full advantage of the things that you've taught us. But Lord, we want to go continually deeper. 